And so this morning, we are kicking off a brand spanking new series. Um, but to start, I'll start with a little story. Um, when I was a kid, I attended a charismatic Pentecostal church. And we were a church that believed a lot of things, some things very similar to here at TFRC. We believed in salvation from Jesus. We believed in the authority of the Bible. We believed in the power of worshiping together. And man, did we ever believe in the power of the Holy Spirit at that church. Um, We spoke in tongues. We prophesied. When we got baptized, we believed that there would be a dove as the Holy Spirit descending on you. It was a strong, powerful belief. I loved growing up in that church. However, there was one thing uh, that whether we believed it or not, we just never really talked about in my childhood. And what's interesting is that thing that we never really talked about was something that Jesus spoke about nonstop. He would never stop talking about this thing. When Jesus began his ministry, he talked about this thing. And when Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about this thing. And when he spoke in his parables, he talked about this thing. In fact, it could be argued that Jesus' entire ministry was really about this one thing. And that thing is called the kingdom. The kingdom. Jesus spoke about the kingdom more than he spoke about anything else in his ministry. And what's interesting is that in my church growing up, it's something we never really talked about. Yeah, and I grew up in the Catholic Church, so we didn't do the speaking in tongues thing that you grew up with. Um, But I was really given a good foundation of faith in Jesus. It was a really good uh, experience for me. I learned a lot about Jesus and the and the apostles and disciples. I learned the creeds, uh, recited the Lord's Prayer routinely, uh, went to parochial school, and when at least the parochial school I went to, uh, you ended up going to mass three times a week. So I did that for a good chunk of my childhood. Um, But likewise, I don't remember learning much about the kingdom of God. Um, And even though uh, many of us are devoted followers of Jesus, and many of us also grew up in the faith, grew up going to church, uh, there's a really good chance that we didn't spend much time focusing on the kingdom of God. And Jesus was obsessed with it, and we hardly uh, talk about it. And, and what do we mean that Jesus was obsessed with the kingdom of God? Well, here are all the passages where Jesus talks about it. There's a slide, and those are just the references. That's a lot of passages. <laughs> and just take a second to look at that list. That is how much Jesus focused on the kingdom of heaven or kingdom of, of God. Over 50 times, Jesus refers to the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. And for us, kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, those are talking about the same thing. But over and over again, throughout Jesus's ministry, Jesus is talking about the kingdom. And I just want to highlight a couple from that list. Uh, John 3, it's one of the best known chapters in all the Bible. If you have one verse memorized, good chance. It's John 3, 16, where it says, for God so loved the world. Uh, But in John 3, 3, Jesus talks about being born again. And when Jesus says you have to be born again, he is talking about the kingdom of God. Uh, John already mentioned that Jesus talks about the kingdom of God in the Sermon on the Mount. He actually mentions the kingdom seven times in that sermon. Um, 
And by the way, the passages on the slide I, you just saw do not include any of Jesus' parables. Many of Jesus' parables are about the kingdom. And here's a list of those parables that talk about the kingdom. Again, in addition to those 50 passages in the last slide, you have all these parables, parables like the sower and the mustard seed and the hidden treasure and the bags of gold. Uh, bags of gold, some of you know that is the parable of the talents. Jesus was obsessed with the kingdom of God. And if Jesus was obsessed with it, well, maybe we should be too. Yeah, and so we are kicking off a new series about the kingdom uh, this morning, and we thought of a really brilliant name for it. We're calling it the kingdom of God. Yes, lots of time and energy went into coming up with that we name. We did. Yes. And in this series, what we want to do is we want to catch the vision that Jesus had for the kingdom. It's the one thing that Jesus never would stop talking about. And frankly, it should be the one thing that perhaps that we never stop talking about as well. There's another reason we want to do this series as well, and, and that is, you know, we use words like kingdom, and that sounds a little old-timey. At least it does to me. We, you know, we think of King Arthur and things like that. Well, the kingdom, yeah, it may be an old term. However, Jesus' kingdom of God um, probably is more relevant to our lives today than really ever it has been before. So it's time to start talking about the kingdom. And so that's what we're going to do for the next few weeks. Um, if you have your Bibles, our scripture reading this morning is going to be found in Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. I'd encourage you to turn there this morning. You can join along. Uh, church, one of the things that we do, at least when we're meeting together, is we stand for the reading of God's word. And I'll invite you to do that in your home today. So go ahead and stand up with your Bible in hand and let's read God's word together. So this is Luke 17. Verse 20 through 21. Now listen, listen to this. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replies, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, Here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. That's the reading of God's word. You may take a seat if you'd like to in your living room. Back to the couch we go. Uh, when Jesus says the kingdom of God has come near, uh, sometimes it also gets translated the kingdom is at hand. Now, that means a couple of things. Uh, one is the word for near can be used to describe nearness in location, as in coming near to a region or a city or um, a building or a person. Uh, the kingdom has come near to you in space. But that word for near could also be used to describe nearness in time, as in the time for a festival has drawn near, or the Sabbath has drawn near, or the time for Jesus' death was drawing near. The kingdom of God is near, meaning the kingdom is close to you in space, and the time for the kingdom is now. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is here and now. The kingdom is not something we're waiting for. The kingdom is something we participate in the here and now. That's what Jesus meant when he said the kingdom of God is at hand. Which kind of leads to a dilemma because it doesn't seem like the kingdom of God is here and now. We look at the pain in the world, the pain in our lives, the suffering, the injustice uh, in the world. And when Jesus was preaching about the kingdom 2,000 years ago, his listeners would have had the same dilemma. Uh, because in Israel, Jesus' country, where he did his ministry, while it was occupied by the Romans, and under Roman rule, 
There was all kinds of suffering and injustice. And Jesus challenged his followers that in the middle of all of this suffering and injustice to seek the kingdom. There was at least the same amount of suffering and injustice as there is today, and probably there was a lot more back in his time. Jesus tells us that the kingdom is here, but the kingdom, that doesn't mean that everything bad that happens has gone away. It hasn't. The kingdom is here in the middle of all of the bad stuff. So the, the kingdom is near, um, but the kingdom is also something else as well in the scriptures. If you have your Bible, uh, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 through 8, because it talks about the kingdom a little bit differently here. Matthew 10, 7 through 8. Um, and listen to this. This is Jesus. He says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Now in the Bible, as Chuck had said earlier, um, the kingdom is referred in two different ways. There's the kingdom of heaven, and then there's the kingdom um, of God. And they're the same kingdom. But, but the two ways of talking about the kingdom reference two uh, different aspects of the kingdom. The kingdom of God emphasizes who the ruler of the kingdom is. The kingdom of God is... God's kingdom. I know that surprises you. But then there's this kingdom of heaven thing. And, and when we use kingdom of heaven or when the gospels do, um, they're referring to something else. The kingdom of heaven emphasizes what the ruler is ruling over, which would be heaven. It's the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom where God is the ruler over the space called heaven. Now, for many of us, when we read the name kingdom of heaven, we start thinking of heaven, I think. <laughs> like the place that we go when we die, right? But that's not exactly what um, heaven and kingdom of heaven is talking about here. Um, the Greek word for heaven that is used is the Greek word aranos. Um, aranos. And aranos, it can mean heaven, like the place we go to when we die. But that's really not the common interpretation in the scriptures of aranos. Um, most often, aranos is interpreted as sky or air. In, in other words, when we look up and we see a, a beautiful blue sky, in Greek, that's, that's aranos there that we see. Or when we look and we see the wind whipping through the trees, we see the wind doing things, that would be aranos that we're seeing. You see, when Jesus, in Matthew at least, says kingdom of heaven has come near. What he is saying is the kingdom is in the air. The kingdom's in the air. Now, folks, this is a really big deal, actually, that the kingdom would be in the air. I want you to see this. And so um, to help you, I brought a couple friends with me this morning. I want to introduce you to a couple of my friends. They're here in this beautiful fishbowl here. <laughs> Um, these are goldfish, for those of you that didn't know that. Um, and their names are, uh, we have Goldilocks and Goldie Hawn here in the fishbowl. Yeah, I'm not sure. Those are good names, but come on, we got to do better than that for, for the fish. I think to help their self-esteem, we need to come up with better names, like um, Jaws and Mega Piranha. I think those would be better names. In fact, hey, if you're in the chat, um, go ahead and put in the chat what you think we should name the, the fish. I'm going with Jaws and Mega Piranha. John shared his. Uh, give us your thoughts. 
Now, uh, <laughs> these two goldfish will live their entire lives in this fishbowl at this point. Now, they may be short lives. We'll see how well my kids take care of them, but they're going to live their whole lives in this fishbowl. We just want them to make it through the service. That's all we want. Now, this fishbowl, obviously, is filled with water. Now, think about this for a minute. These two goldfish here are 100% surrounded by water all the time. All the time. There is not a place that these goldfish can swim around in in their very small little habitat here where they could possibly escape the water. The water is a constant. And the water covers these goldfish, and it covers these goldfish completely. Their entire lives it does. In fact, there's not a place these goldfish could possibly go where the water is not present. The water is inescapable for these goldfish. In fact... It's not just that the water is all around these goldfish all the time. If you were to look inside each of these little goldfish here, what you would find inside of them is water, water. They are filled with water. There is water around them at all times. The water is unavoidable for these goldfish. It literally is what they breathe in. And this is exactly how the kingdom works in our lives. The kingdom the kingdom is in the air in our lives. There is no place we can go where the kingdom is not in our lives. When Jesus came to earth, God's rule came with him. The kingdom surrounds us like air. The kingdom is on us like like air. The kingdom is in our lungs and in our bloodstreams just like Air. The kingdom is in the air. The kingdom is everywhere. I love how the Apostle Paul puts it. Um, in Acts 17, 28, the Apostle Paul says this. He says, For in him we live and move and have our being. We are completely surrounded by God. The kingdom is inescapable in our lives. You know, and I think that's a really important point. I think that's really good, John. It, for almost all of us, that requires a shift in how we think about the kingdom. Because when we think about the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, as John said, we think about something that happens at the end of time. Um, and throughout my adult life, I've had countless conversations about end times. And the specific topic being, do you believe we're living in the end times right now? Um, my entire adult life, people have asked me this, uh, and certain events tend to prompt the conversation more often than, than other times. Uh, and I might show my age a little bit here, but um, I remember when the Gulf War in the early 90s happened, that prompted end times discussions. Uh, Y2K prompted end times discussions. 9-11 prompted end times discussions. Any major natural disaster like Hurricane Katrina has prompted end times discussions. Uh, anytime something significant happens in the Middle East, well, that prompts end times discussions. Uh, the coronavirus obviously has prompted all sorts of people ask, do you believe we're living in the end times? Um, Idaho and Utah, we've recently had some pretty big earthquakes, which is really not normal. Uh, for us, and that has added fuel to the end-time discussion uh, fire. I've been having this conversation for, again, 30 years, and anytime anyone asks me, do you believe we're living in the end times, my answer is always the same. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. 
Uh, there have been countless of best-selling Christian books about the end times, and there have been Christian movies made about the end times. But how we look at the kingdom and how Jesus taught about the kingdom, we need to shift how we think about the kingdom. It's not simply an end times thing. Uh, now, Jesus on a couple of occasions did talk about the end of days, but as often as we focus on the end times, sometimes we act as if that was Jesus's main message, that the end is near, but that wasn't Jesus's main message. His main message was the kingdom is near. And the problem with fixating on the end times is it can lead us to sort of check out of what is happening in the world because, you know, it really doesn't matter what's happening in the world. Jesus is coming back, and so we really don't have to worry about it. We'll just wait for Jesus. Well, just waiting for Jesus to return is the exact opposite of what Jesus taught. The kingdom of God is at hand, and Jesus said, seek the kingdom uh, more than once, Jesus told parables about a master going on a trip and entrusting his servants with something of his while he was gone, and then coming back and to see what they did while he was gone. And the servants who did nothing, who just kind of waited around for the master to come back, um, how did they fare in those parables? Not good. Not that good. was not a good thing. Um, the owner expected the servants to be actively taking care of his stuff. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Are we participating in it? You know, Jesus once said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I don't think faith on the earth looks like sitting around waiting for Jesus to come back. If the kingdom of God is at hand, if the kingdom of God is here and now, that means God is up to something in our lives, in your life, in my life today. How much would our lives change? how we viewed our lives, if we really believed that. What John was describing about the kingdom literally being all around us. If we were to interpret every moment of our lives through the lens of the kingdom. You know, one problem is that we read the Bible and we see that God was at work in the Old Testament through the creation and flood and Abraham and Exodus and Samuel and David and the prophets. And we see that God was at work in the New Testament in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus in the apostles in the early church. And we read about how Jesus is going to return. And sometimes I think we unconsciously think, well, that's the next time God's actually going to do something. And maybe we're not sure that God has been at work during the last 2,000 years, as if maybe he's taken the last 2,000 years off. But if we believe what Jesus had to say about the kingdom... God hasn't taken a day off at all. God has been at work in you since before you were born. Think through all the people who have been a blessing in your life. Think about all the positive things in your life, all of your achievements. God was at work in all of that. And now think about all the people who have wronged you and maybe all the bad things that have happened to you, all of your failures and mistakes those weren't just random tragedies with no redeeming value. All the pain that you have suffered, you have not suffered in vain. There has been a reason for it. They have shaped you. In the good and the bad, God is at work. Interpret every moment of your life through the lens of the kingdom. I mean, what if we actually believed that? Like, what if we actually believed 
The kingdom is near. The kingdom is in the air. The kingdom is around us right now. What if we actually believed that? I mean, wouldn't it change every single moment of our lives? The good, the bad, and the ugly, all of it would have to be thought through differently. You know, so often in our faith, we, we act as if we just don't have enough faith. Life gets difficult, and we think, I just don't have the faith to hold on to this thing anymore. Or, or we ask God, God, give, give me more faith because I feel like doubt is creeping in, and I, and I just don't have the faith here. you got to give me more, God. See, faith is not something we have to be given in our lives. Faith is, is a verb more so than a noun. Faith, faith is an action. Faith is something that we have to choose to do. You know, I've said this a million times at this point, but faith and trust in the Bible, that's the same word that gets translated two different ways. Faith and trust. We are not given the ability to trust another person. Trust is something that we must choose to do. Every single day when we get up, we have the opportunity to choose to trust or to have faith in God and what God is up to and in God's kingdom. Imagine what it might be like if every single day for the rest of our lives, we chose to trust God and we chose to trust in God's kingdom. Imagine how that would change things. What, what if every moment, moment, uh, morning we woke up and decided to trust that the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is present. It's like it's in the air around us. It would change our lives. It would. See, this morning is an opportunity for you. This morning might actually be an opportunity for your kids if you're hanging out with your kids this morning. See, this morning, you have a choice. You have a choice. This morning, you have the power to decide if you're willing to trust God in God's kingdom. You get to decide that. For some of us, we've actually never made that decision before for a multitude of reasons. Some of us have just never said, I don't know if I can really trust this guy. You have a choice. You know, for some of us, um, we have our kids and, and our kids have never ever uttered out loud, I'm going to choose to trust Jesus. We've, we've never had that conversation with our kids. This morning, the kingdom is near. The kingdom is in the air. And God is asking you and asking your kids do you trust me? And do you trust my kingdom? Do you trust me? And I guess the question is, well, what's your answer this morning? You know, if you've never made the decision to trust God, this morning is an opportunity for you. And, and, and see what happens if you choose to trust God. See what happens and, and, then, and then let us know, because we'd love to walk you through that new life that you're stepping into. Parents, uh, this morning, after the service, I would invite you, if you've never done this before, have a conversation with your kiddos and say, hey, kids, um, what do you choose? Do you choose to trust God in his kingdom? Do you want to do that? Do you want to make that choice this morning? And then pray with them. Have you ever done that before? And then pray for them. And then let us know, because I want to know what that experience was like for you, because I bet that's a powerful experience to have with your kids. This morning, maybe 
an eternity-altering moment for your kids or, or perhaps for you as well. You see, you get to choose. The kingdom is in the air. The kingdom is near. You get to choose if you want to trust that that's true or not. So what's your choice this morning? What's your choice? Hey, uh, please pray with me. And Lord, we do thank you for your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that you have been at work in our lives um, even before we existed. Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. And Lord, we thank you that in the middle of all the pain and anguish and suffering and injustice, uh, that your kingdom is um, still here, is you are still at work in the middle of all of that. And Lord, I just thank you for the, what you've done in uh, my life and in each of our lives. And Lord, I would ask that um, your spirit would work in those who maybe have never made uh, the choice, the decision uh, that John was talking about, about putting their faith uh, in you, maybe uh, whether they're adults or kids. And I would ask that your spirit would work in their hearts and show them, help them see how your kingdom is around them and help them see um, how good it is to trust in you. And so, Lord, we um, once again just thank you for your um, kindness and your mercy and love. And I would ask that you would give us the eyes to see uh, your kingdom, which is all around us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Friends, um, next week is such a unique day for us. It's Inspire Sunday where we get to show just what all of our mission partners are doing and the impact that TFRC has had locally and regionally and frankly around the world. That is a great special service to invite your friends to. Perhaps you have friends that have never made that choice to trust Jesus. What a great service to uh, bring them along to through a screen is to see what God's doing around the world through this place and through the people that call this place home. And so uh, that is next week. We invite you to do that. Invite you to share that service. Invite someone new uh, and let us know if you did. That'd be awesome to do. We also have a, a prayer wall here. Um, and that prayer wall, obviously you can't be here to put prayers in it, but if you have a prayer this morning, feel free to write that prayer down in the Facebook conversation. Um, send me or Pastor Chuck or Crystal an email, and we'd love to write that prayer down for you and put it in the wall for you as well. Why don't you go ahead and uh, round up your kids and take a, a stand, and then we will uh, leave with a blessing this morning. So go ahead and stand up. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord raise his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.